Going on 14. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And watching the Terminator movies, we've learned a few things. They can train the Terminator to go back in time. They can train the Terminator to go after a target and blend in. What they cannot train the Terminator to do is to not run directly at their target with a blade or a gun in one hand as soon as they're in visual range, alerting everyone to their presence before they have any chance of making a kill. (laughs) They also can't teach it how to speak English properly. Racist. I'll be Buck. Oh, just move on. And not to mention just how dangerous it is basically to run with scissors. That's... Right? Especially when the scissors are your arms. Yeah. You might cut your hands off. I just, after watching a bunch of them in a row, I was thinking, you know, they can get close and their target would just die and there would be no more movie. Yeah. Maybe that's why they don't do it cinematically. So this is the Terminator show. <laughs> this is what they're in for. <laughs> the robots are very, very aware of plot. Uh, they're all bards. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're very dramatic. <laughs> no, you got against bards. I don't want to start us all singing again. Oklahoma. <laughs> Terminator. Feels so good. It feels, feels so good. good. It feels so good. How have we, we? It's been literally 60 seconds. How can we be going off <laughs> the rails? <laughs> If you like to feel so good. So good, so good. You might like these podcasts. Yeah, if you like to feel so good, you <laughs> might like the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as Joel's Own the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, Tales from the Hard Side, Mom and the New Dad, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. The shortest credits I've ever heard. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking for more of this stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and give us a review on Podchaser. Give us a call, 708-NOW-RAP. Wow, wow, wow. 708-669-9727. I posted on Facebook. I want I want to, next show, I want to hear everybody's Schwarzenegger impersonation. Oh, yes, please. Yeah. Not you, Joel. Not you. <laughs> Everyone except Joel. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your not you Schwarzenegger impersonation. <laughs> gonna sound like not, not so fast joel sit down, sit down. i already am sitting sit on you're rocking the boat <laughs> no. yeah 708-669-9727 give us a call we'd like to hear from you we're lonely folks living in our basements singing random show tunes yeah that we don't know the words to i am the phantom of the opera <laughs> I'm relatively certain that's wrong. <laughs> but you don't know enough to dispute it, really. Yeah, I, I really don't know enough about the Phantom of the Opera to say that it is wrong. It just doesn't sound right to me. Patrick Whaley, superstar. Who in the hell do you think you are? Yes, I am the talent. I think it's about that time. Oh, my God. This weekend, music. Movies. TV and sports. So the date of this week's twee this weekend is October 26th, 1984. The release date of the original Terminator. Hmm. Good choice. All right. So music. The number one song in the land was Stevie Wonder's I Just Called and Say I Love You and Patrick's favorite song of all time. That's my review. (laughs) That's just short. (laughs) 
I absolutely love Stevie Wonder, but that song can bite a dick. <laughs> I, I don't understand the like. I, I don't love the song, but I can't summon any emotion to. That's why it. it's so bad because Stevie Wonder put out a bland ass Phil Collins type song, and it offends me to its core. <laughs> I just sang to pay my mortgage. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and this was also the stage when he went on the Cosby show and shit. I just, I, I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah. Of mid, mid to late 80s Stevie Wonder. On October 23rd, a report on the Ethiopian famine by BBC journalist Michael Burke was broadcast in the UK and received an unprecedented public response. Among those watching was Bob Geldof, who was inspired to release a charity record to raise money to help with the famine relief. This was the origin of Live Aid. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I thought I mispronounced Ethiopian. <laughs> I had to stop and check myself. Ethiopian. I'm like, did I say that right? Are you Ethiopian? No, I'm South Ethiopian. Jesus, Joel, you did it to me. <laughs> You've been infected. The I've nanobites have gotten to you. Oh. That's it. <laughs> And finally, on October 25th, Catherine Elizabeth Hudson was born in Santa Barbara, California. She achieved international stardom as, as a pop singer, known for such songs as I Kissed a Girl, Waking Up in Vegas, Roar, and California Girls. One of the best-selling artists of all time, having sold more than 11 million albums in the United States and 81 million singles worldwide, she has six quintuple platinum certified singles in the U.S., more than any other artist. And of course, that is... Sinead O'Connor. Very good. I won. Prince. That is Katy Perry. Oh. Yep. Neat. It wasn't Jill Sobule, because she kissed a girl, too. True. But K Katy Perry is literally, like, the biggest pop sensation of all time. Hmm. You know, I can't... I'm, I'm not mad about it. She's definitely good at it. We've talked about her before. We like Katy Perry. Yeah, we all kind of like her. Yeah, her yeah. videos are, are always entertaining. Absolutely. All right, moving on to movies. The Terminator getting Why did I stole a premiere? The third word in. Oh, this does not bode well. The Terminator premiered this week in the number one spot in the land and spent only two weeks in first place before being knocked off by Oh God, you devil. Wow. Which, you know, I mean, George Burns. George Burns. You can't George hate Burns. It's George Burns times two. I mean, how do you beat that? George he, Burns times three. He beat, he put down a Terminator. He should have mm -hmm. done Good Omens. So George Burns the Terminator. Oh, that's the headline. There you go. Mm. Movies released this week included Terminator, Paris, Texas, Body Double, and the Paul McCartney written and produced acronym of the week. GMRTBS, which I'm pretty sure stands for George Martin Ruined the Book Series. <laughs> uh, wow. That was ahead of its time. Holy, Holy shit. <laughs> you fell on your sword for that joke. <laughs> I said I was pretty happy with that one. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, that is good. I like that a lot. That might be my favorite acronym you've done. Oh, uh, no, that is, that is not even close, though, unfortunately, as much as oh. I like it. That is... Give my regards to Broad Street. Uh, yeah. he was, turns out he was not prescient. Sorry. Oscar Werner was an Austrian stage and cinema actor whose prominent roles included The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, Ship of Fools, Decision Before Dawn, Jules and Jim, Fahrenheit 451, 
The Shoes of the Fisherman, and Voyage of the Damned. He won a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor and had been nominated several times for Golden Globes, the Academy Awards, as well as BAFTA Award. He died of a heart attack on October 23rd. Hmm. Absorbed. All right. Born in New York City, Edith Edie Massey was one of 10 children abandoned in an orphanage by dirt poor parents. As a teenager, she ran away to Hollywood. She worked in several odd jobs throughout the years, and she eventually relocated to Baltimore, Maryland, where she worked as a barmaid at Pete's Hotel, where she met John Waters. He offered her a role as herself in the film Multiple Maniacs. She became one of the Dreamlanders, Waters' stable of regular cast and crew members, and gained a cult following from her appearances in Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, Desperate Living, and Polyester. In the late 1970s and 1980s, early 1980s, Massey toured as the lead singer of a punk band, Edie and the Eggs. She also posed for a series of greeting cards. In 1980s, she was... The year 1980, she was featured in John Mellencamp's music video for This Time and also appears on the cover of Mellencamp's album, Nothing Matters and What If It Did. In 1982, Massey recorded a cover of the Four Seasons' Big Girls Don't Cry that was included on the compilation albums The Rhino Brothers Present the World's Worst Records and A Date with John Waters. The year she died, Massey starred in her final film, Mutants in Paradise. Massey died of complications of lymphoma and diabetes on October 24th, 1984, in Los Angeles. And I knew, I knew you would recognize her, Joel. Well, and, and if you see uh, Pink Flamingos, like the whole thing, she's eating eggs in a, a baby crib. She's all about eating eggs. Mm, yeah, can't figure out why I don't like John Waters. I was just talking about John Waters last night, actually, ironically enough. And how I, I, well, I, I it was seven thirty. That is the normal time that you start talking about John Waters. <laughs> it's pre pre dinner chat. Yeah, seven thirty, seven forty five. Everyone knows the dinner chat is David Lynch. Well, that goes without saying. <laughs> Jesus. And post post dinner chat is Fellini, as always. <laughs> All right, it's TV. The top shows in the land were Dynasty, The Cosby Show, Dallas, and Sixty Minutes. A little bit of everything in there. Yeah, I was gonna say that scans. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Osborne, daughter of Ozzy Osborne, who achieved fame on the reality show The Osbournes. Very redundant statement right there. <laughs> that was born <laughs> in Westminster, London, on October 27th and wants someone to clean her bathroom. Shut do you guys, <laughs> do you guys watch The Masked Singer at all? Yeah. No. I'm pretty sure she is one of the contestants. I'm like almost 100%. Uh. Yeah. I'm, I won't tell you which one. But. Okay. Turner Broadcasting System launched a cable music channel, a music video channel intended to compete directly with MTV. I wonder how that turned out for him. On October 26th, the first video played was I Love L.A. by Randy Newman, and the channel left <laughs> 34 days. Wait, what year is this? How many? How wait. 84. Those facts are probably unrelated. Yeah. It's not, it's not a zero factor. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry okay the miniseries v premiered on october 26 internal show chatter i wish they would remake <laughs> this they did what <laughs> yeah in 2009 they remade it because v is yeah. oh. one of my favorite uh, uh series when i was a kid like i just i fucking loved yeah. V. yeah i me too man i was nuts about it i didn't know they remade it i'm putting that in the ideas yeah and it's got morena bakarin in it heck yeah yep. v versus v <laughs> they just released the original miniseries on Blu-ray, and I'm sure they're going to do the whole series at some point. But uh, and the yeah. title, the title of that show, will be V V V. 
but it'll be pronounced. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> All right. Uh, Megan McCain, author and member of the Views panel, was born in Phoenix, Arizona. She is also the daughter of Senator John McCain. In case you didn't know. Right. Yeah. Uh, Marion Burnside Randall, who acted acted under the name Sue Randall for reasons unknown, was an well, American. If you, if you were known as Burnside, you'd be like, no, call me Sue. <laughs> that was a joke. That's oh, a joke. oh, I missed it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Shall I start again? I apologize. Are you good? What? Who huh? are you talking to? Huh? Did you bring enough to share with the whole class, Pat? Get off my lawn. Uh, was an American actress best known for her role as a kindly Miss Alice Landers, Theodore Beaver Cleaver's elementary school teacher in the sitcom Leave It to Beaver. Wah, 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 wah. I'm guessing she died. Uh, yes, she did. I'm sorry. I forgot to finish that. She died this week. Just like I was noticing in the, in the bullet point above, Mil- Megan McCain, she was born this week. Mm. Uh, oh, Yeah. <laughs> Born in Flop Souls with Marion Burnside Randall. <laughs> These people just sort of existed. Mm. I'm just saying this week. they were around this week. You know? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, random fact, by the way. Random, weird, leave it to Beaver fact. Do you guys know that Tony Dow, who played Beaver's brother on Leave it to Beaver? Wally? Yeah. He appeared, Tony Dow himself, the actor, appeared on an episode of People's Court as a, as a witness for one of the defendants. Because it's so funny. Like, at one point, Wabner just kind of stops the trial and he's like, are you Tony Dow? <laughs> I was hoping nobody was going to bring it up. I yeah. mean, he's just casually there just to witness something. He's like, you know, <laughs> and the judge just has to stop everything like. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, I, can see, I can see Judge Robert be like, whoa, 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 wait, back up. Does, does nobody else see this? <laughs> right. Do I need to talk to a doctor? Everybody else see Tony Dow sitting there? Imagine if you were schizophrenic and Tony Dow followed you around. Oh. Imagine Tony Dow was schizophrenic. Oh. And you followed him around. <laughs> yeah. Sports? Yeah. You're, you're, you're sports, Pat. <laughs> yeah, it's you. Oh, I was waiting for somebody else to start. Sports. On October 21st, Steve Jones ran his first ever complete marathon as he won the Chicago Marathon in a world record two hours, eight minutes, five seconds. Currently now the 12th best time in marathon history. Hmm. Good God. The guy literally had never run a complete marathon and just blasted everybody away. Hmm. He tried other marathons before, but, you know, he he got injured. He pulled hamstrings and stuff like that. He carboloaded yeah. on fettuccine. <laughs> the race for the cure. Uh, Ruben Mays of Washington State set single season and career rushing records for the college in 1984, and on October 27th, he established an NCAA record for most rushing yards in one game with 357. It was the record for over a quarter century until broken by Kadeem Carey in 2012. Damn. Hall of Fame NFL quarterback Ken Stabler retired on October 22nd. Are you guys familiar with him? Nope. He's the inventor of the stable. <laughs> Have you seen my stable? <laughs> he was. He was the. Um, he and, and and Joe Namath were the original party guy quarterbacks, who like were known for getting drunk, you know, and, and starting bar fights and stuff. And stuff. Oh, yeah, classy. So a rabble rouser, tough guy, Marlboro man kind of quarterback. And lastly. On October 23rd, the Chicago Cubs' Rick Sutcliffe was selected as a unanimous choice as NL Cy Young. And a week later, the Detroit Tigers reliever Willie Hernandez won the AL Cy Young Award. Oh. 
That's the for best picture. Yeah. Okay. Who won the Lou Gehrig's award that year? Not Lou Gehrig. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Play it soft. Right, nah, 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 nah. All right. So 1984, there was a moment where Arnold Schwarzenegger almost did not take the job as Terminator because he thought it might be detrimental to his career. He was looking for more roles to prove that he could speak English and everything because he was kind of known as only a body guy. Yeah, known as... Well, I mean, considering Conan. Yeah. And he also went in to audition as Kyle. Both he and James agreed after they had their thing that uh, they both called their agents and were like, I want to be the Terminator. And James is like, he needs to be the Terminator. And so... Right. Fun fact. But yeah, so 1984, the Terminator, uh, written by James Cameron, who you may know from some other movies. This actually... James Cameron. <laughs> but you know what? Honestly, back then, you you uh, may not know him too much. I mean, he didn't have a lot back in 84. Before this, it was Piranha 2, The Spawning, and then The Terminator, and then Aliens. So he kind of like his... His uh, curve his trajectory, yeah, I know. Right. It kind of took off, and then after that, the abyss. <laughs> ah. What a roller coaster! And eventually, we got Avatar. Yeah, yeah, we did. I mean, it was fine. His it career is. just kind of stopped. Yeah. Well, I mean, the second highest-grossing movie of all time. I wouldn't say as a stop. No, yeah. he he stopped on purpose. It was his choice. Oh yeah, because don't to work have... on more Avatar. Yeah, I was gonna say there's more Avatar coming, isn't there? Five of them. Uh, he said he doesn't gonna he's not gonna do any other films other than Avatar from now because the reason he wants to all can be done in that world. It's a quote. So uh directed by James Cameron, written by James Cameron and Gail and Heard. Heard of what? Walking Dead fame, man. She's the producer of Walking Dead. Oh, the producer? Mm -hmm. oh, I, I was just looking at her for uh writer. It looks like this is the only thing that she's actually been written in. I mean she that she wrote. And she's gotten credit and probably a little bit of money from everything past this that has the word Terminator on it. So good on her. <laughs> also, William Wisher, who is known for writing additional dialogue. <laughs> That's what you want to be known for. I, I, I got nothing. No, he's, he's... Any, anytime they need a filler scene, you know, to like give backstory or just to give him a little more humanity to think... Things that he's a guy, one of those types of guys that comes in and just, you know, <laughs> that's how Quentin Tarantino started out as an additional dialogue writer. Hmm. I was just imagining, like, he's sitting in the theater with his girlfriend, and somebody goes, we need to go to the ATM, and he's like, yeah, that, that was my, that. Yeah. my additional dialogue. But yours makes more sense. But he also had, was in the writing uh, staff for Terminator 2 Judgment Day, Judge Dredd, unfortunately the 1995 version, The 13th Warrior, and something called Terminator the Second. What? Terminator the Second? That's what it's... That's literally what it's called. It's a huh. TV movie. came out in 2011, October 1st, starring Jamie Bradley as John Connor. Huh. Who the hell is Jamie Bradley? Who the hell is John Connor? <laughs> Jason Kring is the... Who are you people? Where <laughs> am I? Who are these things on my head? Get off my lawn! All right. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, the Terminator... Uh, cast in order: uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator T1 T800. Um, Michael, I always say his last name wrong. Bean, Bine, Bean, Bean, Bon. Michael Bean, Bon. 
as Kyle Reese. <laughs> Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Paul Winfield as Lieutenant Ed Traxler. Lance Hendrickson, who I completely forgot was in this, as Detective Hal Vukovich. Rick Rusevich as Matt Buchanan. Bess Mota as Ginger Ventura. And Earl Bone as Dr. Peter Silberman. Who made come came back in the other film. Yeah. I mean, if you were besides Hamilton and Schwarzenegger, he's been in most of the most or third most film. He's been, <laughs> you know what the fuck I'm trying to say. I actually have no idea what you're trying to say. Okay, besides Schwarzenegger and Hamilton, he's been in more Terminator films than any other person. Hamilton the musical. Shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So anyway. Uh, some trivia, Arnold Schwarzenegger worked with guns every day for a month to prepare for this role. The first two weeks of filming, he practiced weapon stripping and reassembly blindfolded until the motions were automatic like a machine. He spent hours at the shooting range and practicing with different weapons without blinking or looking at them while reloading or cocking. He's also uh, trained to be ambidextrous. Practice moves. I'd give my right arm to be ambidextrous. Womp, womp. Jesus. He practiced different moves up to 50 times. He wound up garnering a compliment in Soldier of Fortune magazine for his realistic handling of the guns on camera, whereas other movies of the 1984 variety, guns just don't work like that. <laughs> so, I.E. Commando. Oh, yeah. The unlimited six-shooter. Or uh, Predator, the unlimited chain gun. Hey, that thing runs out, dude. After he cuts down the forest, it, it runs out of bullets. Yeah, but there's no way that the amount of bullets that he shot in there that he would have to have, carry around a semi. Have that many bullets. <laughs> That'd be awesome if a semi pulls up. <laughs> as, it, as, it, as it starts whirring and speed up, you like, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Guy in a forklift shows up. I got a no, it's, here. it's Sylvester Stallone. He's over-the-top character stops by, you know. <laughs> With this truckload of bullets. Oh, God. I've always thought of his name. Oh, Hawk. There we go. Hawk. There it is. <laughs> so other other trivia. One afternoon during a break in filming, Arnold Schwarzenegger went into a restaurant in downtown L.A. to get some lunch and realized momentarily too late that he was still in the makeup for the Terminator, missing an eye, <laughs> having exposed jawbone and burnt flesh. <laughs> Which I suppose if you're wearing it, I mean, they, they, they do the makeup for you and you wear it all day. Eventually, you're going to stop noticing it. Yeah. Yeah. But did he get served? He just looks at it and says, you should, you should see the other guy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> O.J. Simpson was considered to play the Terminator. Too soon. But the producers feared that he was too nice to be taken seriously as a cold-blooded killer. In 1990, before Simpson's first trial, Dark, Ho Dark Horse Comics printed issues bearing his likeness as a Terminator. I'm going to make a supercut of this film and I'm going to put him back into it. And I'm going to say, no, if I did it later, <laughs> if I, if I terminated. Yeah. Like a deep fake. I'd watch that, but he'd have to be playing Nordberg from, uh, I was just going to say, <laughs> <laughs> we if, need to have him as Nordberg. If the D glove doesn't fit. I don't know. I was trying to come up with something there. I'm done. I'm going to go to sleep now. All right. Thank you. He's trying. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to assume, I'm going to make an amazing assumption on this one that this is not the first viewing for any of us. Not at all. Yeah. No, I've seen it multiple multiple times, ever since I was a kid. Yeah, I have seen this movie over a dozen times. Did any of us see it in the theater? Yes. Ooh. Nope. Mm -mm. Well, not when it first came out. It was what started me on my Arnold Schwarzenegger love. Really? 
I saw this. I saw this, and I saw Conan. All the Conan movies retroactively. Huh? Really? Huh? Yep. yep. I thought it was Conan. I've always thought it was. Yeah, nope. I always thought Conan as being your big like Schwarzenegger nope. love fest. I, I saw Conan in the theater once on a on a release, like a special release, re-release or something. But I never. Yeah. Okay, so you saw this, and you were in all seriousness, you were what, maybe twelve, thirteen? I was twelve. Yeah. Okay. So what was your what was your and what do you remember for your? Oh, uh, yeah, I just turned twelve. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember anything from seeing it as a twelve-year-old? Uh, I just remember being just blown away by by all the all the action. Honestly, it was mm. it was uh, it was it was the first time. I, I mean, I'd heard about Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'd heard about Conan and everything. I was familiar with the you know, with the guy, but this was the first, like I said, the first time I ever really took notice. The story itself was what got me the most, even though the the, the special effects and the and the violence and everything are all over the top. It was the story more than anything, because I've always just been kind of fascinated by time travel in general, and just how well he played the time traveling assassin cyborg. I don't know. I just kind of got obsessed with Schwarzenegger after this. Hmm. I ain't mad at you. you know. Yeah, I, I wish Linda Hamilton had gotten more work because I would have you know, liked to have seen her in more things. She had an all right career. Yeah, I'm not. she didn't have a bad um, career, but I mean, I, I had no desire to watch Beauty and the Beast. But we did a show on it anyway. Yeah. You know, the one thing that stuck out of the, from this movie, because uh, the, the first time I saw it, I was probably, I probably saw it when it hit VHS after it came out at some point. I was fairly young still, but I remember him cutting the, the eye, the whole eye cutting thing. Yeah, that the, oh, the iconics, yeah. With the exacto knife. Yep. Mm-hmm. It stuck out in my brain. And when I was watching it this last week in preparation for it, I'm like, oh, oh here it comes. And I was like, huh, boy, it really didn't hold up the special effects as well as I thought. It was good. Yeah, yeah. That that's, that that scene does not hold up as well. That's 100%. But those transitions. You can completely tell it's a fake face when he's like dabbing the towel in there and everything. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's so. it's pretty clear. And they, they use it again later for another scene where you, you can tell. But I mean, it's still good. I mean, it looks like him. It just that the, the skin tone is a little off, and it looks plasticky. And that's pro- that's probably what the first generation of Terminators looked like. So they could, that's how easily they could tell they were not humans. But look at I mean, look at the other you know, movies that we had out at the same time in '84. I mean, Ice Pirates, <laughs> Dreamscape. Don't you talk bad about Ice Pirates? <laughs> they're Ice Pirates. That's why they're serving the prisoners soup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about Ice Pirates. Actually, I typed in sci-fi 1984. 1984 was an amazingly good mo- good uh, year for Starman, Runaway with Tom Selleck, Night of the Comet. Well, maybe not that last one. Buckaroo Banzai, Chud. I'd rather Dream. watch Night of the Comet than, than Runaway. I think oh. all those movies, the only one I want to see would be Buckaroo Banzai. You haven't seen Buckaroo Banzai? No, that Chud. I would want to see out of all those. Oh, Chud's fun. Oh, Chud is awful. Uh, Chud is Chud, Chud your mouth. Oh. <laughs> I'm just talking about ice pirates. <laughs> oh, that's all right. <laughs> Last anyway, dig it. we can dig it. Back to the Terminator. Yeah, I mean, though, I mean, I'm just saying, even though that scene didn't hold up, I think the combat scenes and the fight scenes and the exoskeleton of the Terminator oh. more than made up for it. Yeah. Freaking iconic. That 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 exoskeleton doesn't matter what which of these movies or the TV series, they always retain that same basic structure, and it's just it's really well done. And here's the thing. There's always something I've noticed with all the Terminator movies. There's a few things that have to happen in every movie. First off, I'll be back. That must be either it's 
I will be back or I'll be back or whatever. I'm back. Someone will be back at some point. Someone's going to be back at one point or another. Leave a message. (laughs) There's always a skeleton, uh, a skull, or either human or cyborg being crushed by somebody stomping on it. Yes, something. Something some skeleton always gets crushed, yes. Yep. And then after the second one, come with me if you want to live. Yep. Which I'm not saying is bad, but that's notable. It yeah, is. it's it's just something that you almost come to expect when you see the movie. Where are they going to hide it? And a new uh, a new Terminator debuts with every movie with new skills and new skill sets and feats and attributes. Look at you with your RPG words. <laughs> <laughs> that can still be beaten by the original and some spunky human. Well, it just goes to show you, you can't. Yes. You can't beat the classics, I guess. I don't know. When in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> it did it's hold funny. up. Oh, sorry. Thinking about uh, this first film, like I saw it and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't one of like the Arnold Schwarzenegger films that really grabbed me. Well, when did you see it? I honestly don't know. It wasn't memorable enough to me. Like I thought it was good. Was but... it was it Raw Deal that got you sealed in on Schwarzenegger? Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, the system gave him a raw deal nobody gives him a raw deal yeah for me it was almost certainly like total recall or even the running man the villain where he played handsome stranger yep wait what but no this this the, one just... yeah that would he was in a western called the villain where he played With the, kirk the, douglas yeah kirk oh. douglas was the the villain he was the good guy yeah huh. we talked about this and and margaret and and margaret was the female in it yeah but anyway josh oh. Yeah, like until T two came around, like this this wasn't one of the things that I would think of. Oh yeah, Schwarzenegger, he's the Terminator guy. Huh. Like, I would have first thought of him as the Total Recall guy or any number of other movies. This would have been fairly far down on my list until it became a franchise. Okay, so if you saw this one after T two, mm, no, I, I I didn't see it after T two. I saw it before T two. I it just okay. didn't. I, I didn't see it twice until after T2. Okay, so, well, I mean, to back up Josh on him not being as impressed with this as, like, Pat and I were, after this, he's got, well, I mean, he's got Red Sonia right after this, but that's, we're gonna skip over that. Uh, Commando, I mean, Raw Deal, but Predator, Running Man, Red Heat. Oh, Predator. Yeah, that's gonna be the huge one for me. Yeah, Total Recall, Kindergarten Cop, and then that Nissan Noodle Cup Schwarzenegger Noodle Man (laughs) commercial. Who could forget that? But I mean, what what a what a fucking run! Oh yeah, that I is mean, a lot of awesome movies in a row. And that's and that's why I think is why Josh was like, oh wow, you know, Terminator. Oh well, that's yeah, that was all right. I mean, because you compare Terminator to Predator with just a three year span, I mean, the the effects have changed so much for one and two. He at, it was right about Predator and Running Man. He actually started really getting into that I can act type of thing. Because I think Commando, he was just kind of running around shooting guns. But it wasn't until like Predator, Running Man, and Twins where you were like, wow, this guy can actually be entertaining. He's got some range. Did you hear they want him to remake Twins? Yes. With uh, Peter Dinklage and who's the other guy? Jason, Jason Momoa. Momoa. Yeah. I would, honestly, I would totally watch those. I movies. would pay to go see that. That's worth- There was talk for a while they were going to uh, do a sequel to the original one with DeVito and Schwarzenegger, and they found out they had a third. There were, it was triplets, and Chris Rock was going to play the third one. <laughs> I would not be as interested in that. Are you kidding me? Nope. No offense to Chris, but... That's not a joke. 
Huh. And then Eddie Eddie Murphy was in talks for a little while for it and everything, but I think it all got scrapped. Yeah, and the guy who came up with that idea was put down. All right. So yeah, right before it was supposed we, to be OJ originally, but they... before we move on to T two, which is the one I think we're all kind of waiting to talk about. Um, this is one of the few movies that if you took the sex scene out of it, it would completely change the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sex scene is almost like an, I mean, obviously, in a very important part of the plot and not extraneous. And you saw that Reddit post too. Yep. It mm-hmm. made me. It made me think that. I was like, that is actually very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is also the first movie uh, orchestrated soundtrack that I ever bought. Mm. Yeah. Something about the music in this one, I was like, I saw it at the store. I'm like, wait a second, I can listen to just that. And then after this, it was like this. And then eventually I got like Batman and uh, Nightbreed. And I had um, all these great soundtracks. Unfortunately, they were all on cassette tape. Oh, yeah, they can get them now digitally. Wait, what? (laughs) Hmm. I don't have to carry my Walkman around anymore. <laughs> It'd be funny if you showed up to Gen Con and you're bouncing around with a Walkman. <laughs> Next year, I'll do it. All right. So 1991, they're like, hey, remember that Terminator movie? We should do that again. So James Cameron pens another uh, version of it. I mean, we haven't gone over the plot on these because we're kind of assuming if you're listening to the show, you know. But do we need to go over the plot? First one, I mean... No, uh, I don't think so. No. Cyborg assassin comes back in time, tries to kill a woman before she can have a baby that is the main Who's gonna enemy, say the world. enemy of all the cyborgs. Done. Right. Done. All right, so James Cameron, uh, William Wisher, written and directed by James Cameron. Schwarzenegger comes back to play the Terminator. Linda Hamilton back as Sarah Connor. Edward Furlong. Yeah. Two mixed reviews. The mixed reviews. A very young Edward Furlong. Mm-hmm. Introducing Edward Furlong. Yep. They found it. They found him in a giant casting search. Oh, really? Yep. I mean, he wasn't terrible, but at the same time, he wasn't amazing. But yep. I mean, Mixed reviews, I mean seriously. Then, boy, uh, how many times did they recast that character? Some, yeah, some scenes he's really good, and some scenes he's really annoying. Yeah, there's some trivia on that too. So wait, let me. Oh, okay, we'll so get to Rob, that. Robert Patrick as a T1000 in probably his most well-known role of all time. Have you seen this boy? He was so good. Mm-hmm. He was. A, he also trained himself not to blink while he was doing everything he did on screen. Ah, right? ah, spoilers. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Jesus. Earl Bowen <laughs> as Dr. Silberman again. Now, gift form uh, with uh, the T-1000 walking through the... Uh, the bars. Yeah, the cigarette falling out of his... Falling off, off his lip. That guy is the third most appears in all... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe Morton is Miles Dyson and uh, S. Espatha Merrickson is Teresa Dyson and Castudo Guerrera as Enrique Salicra Sal- Salcida. Salcida. You forgot Danny Cooksey. We, we've got like six, seven movies we're going through, dude. I was I went down until there was like the nurse and then I cut it off on uh, cast. So poor Sam. Yeah, well, uh, production trivia took sufficiently long that Edward Furlong visibly aged during the shoot. He is clearly much younger in the scene in the desert than in other scenes. His voice began to break and had to be pitched to one level in post-production. He also had grown so tall over the months that they were shooting this movie that for one scene in the late production schedule, they had to dig a hole for him to stand (laughs) in so he can maintain the height difference with Linda Hamilton. 
That's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. If you have a kid who's going through that and then be like, hey, memorize this script, you're going to you're going to hit about 75, 80 percent. But he's going to nail the teen teenage angst thing. Oh, totally. I don't uh, know what to do, Mr. Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess so. Welcome to Boobarama. Um, <laughs> so Robert Patrick trained in a rigorous running regimen to learn to breathe only through his nose so that he would be able to appear to run at high speeds without showing any fatigue. He trained so hard on this that he was actually able to catch up to Edward Furlong while he was riding his dirt bike. Jesus. So good on you, Robert Patrick. So, so he turned himself into a gazelle? Apparently. Wow. He, he had his knees reversed. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. How does he sit down now? On his butt? It's, it's complicated. Without blinking. Yeah. <laughs> and breathing through his nose. Only breathes through his nose. Robert Patrick, honestly, he has taken this one role, and I don't want to say he's milked it, but he's milked it. I mean, look at, he's. I mean, look at Wayne's World. He was in Wayne's World playing this character. It's funny though. It, it was funny, and and you know what I say is good on you, Robert Patrick. Congratulations, sir. I and wish... he segued he segued into a, a role, recurring role on the X Files. So. <laughs> yeah, he's had a pretty solid career. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And he's still acting. He is. In fact, oh, oh, Patrick, you'll dig this. 2020, they're currently filming the TV series Perry Mason. Huh. I'd be down with that. Huh. Patrick, you're old. You'll care about this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Who plays Perry Mason? Matthew Reese? Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Who the hell is that? From the Americans. What? The Americans? Oh, I don't watch it. Okay. Well, I keep on. meaning to start that. I've heard it's very good. It really is. There's so many good things out there. It's hard to watch them all. All right. So this is also the only Terminator to be nominated for an Academy Award. Huh. Multiple Academy Awards. In fact, it also is in a very niche of Academy Awards where the sequel has won, but the original has not. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. That's a little bit of trivia. Yeah. So uh, they won for Best Makeup. Uh, they won that one. They were nominated for Best Cinematography, won for Best Sound, Best Editing, Best Visual Effects, and Best Film Editing. I'm sorry, I said Sound Editing and Film Editing. They won the Sound Editing one. So out of one, two, three, out of six, they won four. four. Yeah. So good on them, right? It's impressive. I know, right? And then, unfortunately, no Terminator has won since then. It definitely deserves it because I think this is the best one. Oh, for sure. That's what I was thinking is that sounds about right. Not that the other ones are like universally bad, but if there's one that's going to get the acclaim, it should be this one. It totally should be this. Oh, I was just going to say, and and when you look at the the, um, effects at the time, you know, granted now they might look a little dated here and there, but they still hold up pretty well overall, considering. And I actually just watched this and I was amazed at how not dated the effects were. There were a few bits where there was a little bit uh, of nine, early 90s CGI, but not as much as you would think. Right? It definitely has the Jurassic Park feel to it. And Just with, the right that, Yeah, where, whereas, I mean, like, when you watch the original Jurassic Park compared to the ones that are done later, you're like, wow. I mean, the amount of CGI in that you really don't notice. I think it's the same thing with this one. Yeah, in most cases, used to augment practical effects instead of supplant them because they could. Right, right. 
I mean, honestly, the, in the CGI effects, my favorite one, even though it's been done over and over and over again over the last few years, is remember, I saw this at the Tivoli Theater in Downers Grove when it came out. And I think it was the Terminator and Running Man. They were showing the, like, the two of them together back when they would do double features. Yeah, that was awesome. The whole scene where the T-1000 falls into the uh, the helicopter. Oh, it just goes through the window? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, get out. <laughs> that was probably my favorite CGI scene. My favorite Schwarzenegger scene is where he finds a chain gun. And then he turns and smiles. <laughs> that, that, I remember vividly the entire audience losing it for that well, one moment. I don't know if your audience had the same reaction, but when I saw this for the first time, there was almost a palpable gasp the first time you saw Lyndall Hamilton and how much she her, she had like bulked up and changed her body. There was, but I mean, there was, but there wasn't. I mean, I want to say it was about 50% because we saw this at the theater and it had already been out for a couple of weeks. I saw it on opening night. Yeah, see, this is when uh, the, the Tivoli had first-run movies. Like, if you waited a week and a half or two weeks at the Tivoli, it was like, it was like two bucks. <laughs> yeah, I could wait. You, you can't know. even go to the bathroom for that money anymore. No, right? Where are you going to the bathroom? In which case, somebody lend me a quarter, please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she she really went above and beyond to uh, look like a badass. And the thing is with this one is that it gave, whereas the first one was kind of like you saw a brief moment of the future. I think this one really solidified the Skynet taking over the world thing yeah and like you know schwarzenegger going you know the, the terminator going through the explanation of what happened and how skynet took over and everything you know and did a good job of explaining some backstory that was kind of left unanswered in the first movie yeah there was a lot of explanation in that unless you read the novelization um there was lots of that that was not explained in the first one i think they did a good job of it without it being like this Oh, sit down in front of Grandpa Schwarzenegger and he's going right. to tell a story. You know, it was it was dropped in just enough a little bit at a time to be able to be you you were cognizant of it, what was going on, but it, it didn't affect the main story enough that you were like, oh, OK, now we're doing a flashback. No, it was just enough of that. You know, with the whole idea that the whole reason that Skynet happens is because the chip and the arm are still left over after the first situation. Right. And it's just. One of those cool little time paradox, time loop type things. Like if you never send a Terminator back, do they even get invented? Mm-hmm. And that's where we had, there was a lot of audible gas when they, when they first showed the arm in the, in the safe. Right. Yeah. Everyone's like, what? These sons of bitches. <laughs> One last piece of trivia real quick. Uh, there were two sets of twins used in this movie. You guys know where they were used? Ah, uh, yes, I do. Yeah, I know. One of them was uh, Linda Hamilton. It was actually her sister. Yep, she is a she is a twin herself. The other one would be the security guard. Correct. Mm-hmm. All right, just checking if you guys knew that. I, I actually didn't know about Linda Hamilton. I knew about the security guard. Oh but... yeah, the one scene where they're in the uh, they're in the mirror and you um they're filming and they're about you know they, then they they start cutting his arm off and everything you know to to show there's uh you could tell if you know that Arnold Schwarzenegger is sitting behind a fake mirror. It's just an opening with Linda Hamilton herself. Her sister is in front of the mirror with a fake Arnold. There's not even a face to it because it's just from the back. And the, and there's another actor playing uh, Edward Furlong's character, John Connor, on the other side of the mirror, too, with his back, you know, facing away. So it doesn't, you know, it's a really, you know, really great practical effect. 
Wow, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. And that's what I think is awesome about this. I mean, the two, the 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 guards, those guys are kind of known for being twists. I mean, they were in um, Good Morning Vietnam, and they were in Gremlins. They were Gremlins, the uh, the second Gremlins movie. Oh, I forgot about them. And yeah, they were the censors in Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. The censors in Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. So those guys are kind of known as being like character actor twins. But the Luna Hamilton Hamilton thing really blew me away. And I think it also speaks to the fact that, like we said before about, they used CGI, but it was to accentuate the scene that was going on. And they knew almost, I mean, just like in the uh, the Mad Max, recent Mad Max movies, you know, practical effects. I love CGI. I think the, the whole idea is amazing. But sometimes you just need to make that model, you know? I mean, you need to do that little bit of extra work to make it look real. And I'm afraid that's going away. Well, and I just rewatching this today when you originally see the scene of the future where the machines are having their war against surviving humans. I, I was blown away even today by how well it still holds up and how impactful that opening is. And oh, it really doesn't look that much different than the same scenes in Dark Fate. Right. What? And with the hunter killers floating by and all that. I mean, that that's one thing that I remember oh, when I first time I saw that was when uh, they, they do that flash forward and you see the HKs floating around in the background. So good. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, 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 they're fucked. Well, <laughs> yeah. and that's one of the things that they've done really well with the whole series, regardless of the quality or quantity of the films, is the continuity. There's there is continuity with the dis- the uh, the ships and the tech and all that stuff. Yeah, all the designs, all you know, even the world itself. You know, the, the as much as you could keep a time travel storyline together, they have done a pretty good job of it. Yeah, some I, I really would hate to be a continuity guys. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say the time travel stuff always makes sense, but the world is always identifiable. It's like playing by its own rules, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, you guys know that's one of my least favorite things in a movie when it, you you make your own rule, you go out of your way to make your own rule, and then you break it. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, we, we, yeah, I can probably pinpoint a couple shows where you ran. <laughs> Patrick yells at clouds. But uh, getting to that with the there's actually a very super cool trivia that that uh, jumps back to the continuity thing from the original movie that we will get back to in the second half, which is the chunkier version of this show, because we've got uh, coming up Rise of the Machines. What's this? Rising of Salvation. Salvation. Uh, Dark Fates. Wait, which one did I meet? Uh, Rise you of missed Machine. Genesis, which is yeah, correct. Genesis. Oh, no, Genesis. That's, that's, that's correct yeah, we, to miss that one. We, we, will, we will talk briefly about Genesis. Genesis. And then we will speak no more of it. Yeah, I had a pretty good cast, and then, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to a break. All right. We'll be back in a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Pat, you do it. What? Oh. The line is, we'll be back. Oh. We'll be back. He's got some hope. I wasn't prepared. We didn't prepare the talent. I'm sorry. Exactly. If only you enjoyed the topic, you would have been prepared. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? If it was something that you liked. Good God. (laughs) I have to get into my my character. No, that's not it. I got to get... uh, Are you Rainier Wolfcastle? (laughs) I was totally... Yeah, it was all character. Up and at them. Character? Up and at them. God.
right, so we are back to talk about the post-2000 Terminator world, the good and the bad, as it is. (laughs) (laughs) We knew that there was going to be more of these movies, just because the Terminator franchise is just an amazingly rich world that once you throw in the time travel type of thing, if you don't like that story, write another one. They change the future again, you know, that sort of thing. So then came Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Cybernetic warrior from post-apocalyptic future travels to protect a 25-year-old drifter and his future wife from a advanced robotic assassin to make sure that they survive a nuclear attack. Uh, this one is directed by Jonathan Mostow. Jonathan Mostow. Mostow. Yep, you got it. Uh, known for such classics as a Breakdown, which actually was really good. That's a good movie. It is. Another, I mean, one of Kurt Russell's underutilized ones, but I think it was, it's a good, solid thriller. Yeah. Uh, full also, show. U571. Decent war movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bruce Willis in uh, Surrogates, which I saw, and that was another, uh, was it a Clone, cloning movie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a movie about, it wasn't about cloning, it was about, like, living puppets, like, puppet living type of thing. Uh, they surrogate robots. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, everybody yeah. lived in their houses, and their robots lived their lives for them. Right? Huh. Yeah, I never saw that one. Oh, it's actually it's it's not. I mean, I wouldn't buy the DVD, but it's worth renting or fo- watching once. Yeah, it's good watch. Ving, Ving Rhames, James Cromwell, Rada Mitchell, Roseman Pike. Yep. Okay, like the yeah. cast. Speaking Michael of Cudlitz. the cast, speaking yeah. of the cast, Arnold Schwarzenegger comes back to play Terminator again. What? Yeah, we know why. Because Arnold Schwarzenegger likes money. <laughs> he likes the character too. Yeah, he really does. I mean, it's it's another one of those. it's it's like uh, Iron Man. Uh, Nick Stahl plays uh, the one John Connor in this one, which I think he pulled it off pretty well. He might be my. Oh, I'm trying to think of who my least favorite John Connor, whether it's him or Jason Clark, and I'm not sure. Hmm. I go with Clark just because Nick Stahl was serviceable. He wasn't bad. Fair. Hmm. Uh, Claire Danes as Kate Brewster. Hey. I liked her in this. Uh, me too. Kristen, I like her in most everything. So. Agreed. Kristen Loken as the, the uh, TX, the female Terminator. I think she gets a lot of undeserved hatred. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I, I She is one of my favorite, uh, aside from Robert Patrick, she might be my second favorite new Terminator. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. She was until, spoiler alerts, Dark Fate. She was my second favorite. Hmm. Okay. Oh, interesting. I can't wait to talk about this now. And then uh, David Andrews as Robert Brewster. Scott Peterson uh, was played by Mark Famigletti. Famigletti? Famigletti. (laughs) That's how you pronounce it in in Italian. Famigletti. Like that with a side of... Famigletti. All right. (laughs) I'm sorry. Can I get that the low-carb version? (laughs) Get out of my restaurant. (laughs) Myra Sinise as Betsy and the Amazing Earl Bowen coming back to reprise his role as Dr. Peter Silberman. Did, did you guys know that he's the, been in the franchise the third most out of all? He's actually a Terminator. Really? Yeah. That would be such a fucking twist. <laughs> Wouldn't that be at some point? <laughs> Holy shit. That would be one of those things. It's like at the end of it, you're like, wait a second. The doctor was a Terminator the entire time. What an infiltrator. He's in deep cover. They thought John Connor with nanobots was, was a great twist. Uh, who thought that? <laughs> He's in deep cover. He's trying to subversively, like, get them to mess up by using, you know, psychology. 
that would we may have our new script here. <laughs> Holy crap! I mean, hey, Earl, on. you up for some special effects and some stunts? Terminator group therapy. <laughs> what has Earl Bowen been doing lately? Hang on, hang on. What's Is he dead? Name? He better not be dead. No, nope, he has. Oh, Jesus, he's in something called. Well, he played a voice in World of Warcraft Legion. Hemeka the Wise. Josh, you got that one? Uh, probably. I mean, I I played some of those expansions, but not much. I'm sure he would be totally on with it. So he's not busy, is what you're saying? No, uh, we have to hear this. So in the most recent thing he's done, he's done a video game voiceover for Girls Mode 4, Suta Sutaresito. Yeah, Did we I, have to know that, really? <laughs> no, yeah, this is all taking away from time that could be used talking about Dark Fate. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, so who is Curtis Armstrong? How can this game be bad? Oh my god, (laughs) shut up, Mike. (laughs) Uh, All right, so trivia (laughs) studios had long wanted to make a sequel to the previous Terminator films, but for a long time, Schwarzenegger refused to do it unless Cameron was directing. Very smart. Cameron eventually told Schwarzenegger, just do it and ask for a shitload of money. The reasoning that the character was as much Schwarzenegger's as it was his. Arnold eventually confirmed this in a talk show interview, saying that when he asked, Cameron told him to take the money and run. Indeed. Wow. And yeah, that whole scene where he has the the accent and everything, that was a little bit uh, unnecessary, I think, personally. Wait, what? It was kind of cool, though, when he had the coffin in one hand. Yeah, that scene was great. That was pretty badass. In general, like the TX and the twist at the end saved this movie for me. Where where he wasn't really trying to stop it, he just was trying to save them. Yes, he he yeah. was trying to survive. Judgment Day was gonna happen. Yeah, that that honestly, I think out of the post two thousand ones, that I like plot wise is probably one of my favorite things because they managed to stifle it through the entire movie until the very end. Yep. So, Terminator Salvation. 2009, in 2018, a mysterious new weapon in the war against machines, half-human and half-machine, comes to John Connor on the eve of a resistance attack on Skynet. But whose side is he on, and can he be trusted? Directed by Mick G. Yep. Yep. Charlie's... He gets a lot of hate, but guy's got some talent, actually. Well, I mean... He's, he's definitely got a very flashy video game, video, you know, type of directing style, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he totally digs on it i mean he's he's got it down and he's what is this 2000 true lies tv series executive producer has just been announced what he's he's done a couple of tv series and uh huh the babysitter was awesome the babysitter was pretty damn awesome yeah i like the babysitter like legitimately awesome but uh moving on uh, save, save that clip for later yeah john Brian <laughs> i Kento. like the babysitter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, like we're going to run for anything. Yeah, right? <laughs> Just from the law. Uh, John Brancanto and Michael Ferris for the writing. John Brancanto, known for such great things as the game. And Ooh. I know, right? And then you're I like, that, around, and he did the net. Oh, okay. Uh, eh. yeah. I don't hate it, but yeah. <laughs> Watch it now. Cringeworthy. No, no, oh, no. <laughs> so cringeworthy. So we have to do we have to do that. There was a sequel to the net that came out, I think, in two thousands. So what was it called? The Net Two, the Technology and Media Show. Yes. Uh, so Christian Bale in this one is played by is John Connor, uh, Sam Worthington as the enigmatic pseudo human Terminator thing, 
Moon Bloodgood as Blair Williams, Helena Bottom Carter as Dr. Serena Kogan, Anton Yelchin Aww. as Kyle Reese, and again, uh, 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 Jada Grace as Star, Bryce Dallas Howard as Kate Connor, and Common as Barnes. I stand by my statement that Anton Yelchin could have become a sci-fi superstar if his car had not achieved sentence and killed him. Yeah. <laughs> he was terminated, unfortunately, and it sucks. It does. I like, I like I mean, him a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, Odd Thomas is one of our favorite movies here in the in our house. Oh, Bearing the X is phenomenal. He's so good in that. Yeah, I mean, he had a lot of potential with that with that guy, and it makes me very sad. Christian Bale is John Connor as moving from the John Connor who we've known in the previous roles as being the kid that's just trying to stay alive to the soldier that will eventually become the leader of the resistance, I think was a neat kind of twist that you weren't seeing John Connor as being the super leader that you expected him to be. And he was actually just like a grunt soldier. Well, I mean, it's an interesting concept for a story in this world. It's like a slice of life from the middle time of of the character of John Connor, something you don't normally hear about. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about the movie, I, I like this movie. I, I legitimately enjoyed it. And I really like the design of the, the other kind of Terminator. Not, you know, they've got the, the ships that we talked about and the actual exoskeletons, but then they've got like that big thing that's in the sewer system or whatever. It's, I, I didn't end up watching this again before the show, but I Wait. just remember those. What? I'm trying to remember the sewer system ones. Well, there was like a there was like a bigger it was underground. Yeah, it was, I don't know if it was a sewer, but there was a big there was water or something. But there's like the bigger mech like Terminators. Oh, okay. oh yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there were more. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So I just realized we didn't do the trivia on this one. Oh, right. So special effects wizard Stan Winston died during the filming of this in uh, 2008, making this the last movie uh, that he provided visual effects for. So um, if you want to know a little bit about Stan Winston and his visual effects, uh, have you seen, say, Jurassic Park, Aliens, T2, Edward Scissorhands, God, Iron Man, Darkness Falls, Galaxy Quest. The guy was... Pretty good resume. Yeah. What was his very his very first one? Wow. Throw it back to 1976, W.C. Fields and me. Hmm. I don't know what that is, but I... Probably not going to watch it. Oh, dude, he was the creator of Manimal. Oh, I, I, I bring that show up whenever I can. I love Manimal. Yeah. I noticed Josh and Pat aren't saying anything. Um, I, I, because I'm hoping to not prolong the part of this <laughs> second half that isn't Dark Fate. <laughs> All right, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. Moving, 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 moving on. Oh, also, yeah. I hated this movie. Oh. Really? It's the Terminator without Arnold Schwarzenegger. I literally could not possibly give a shit. <laughs> Even Bryce Dallas Howard does not save this for me. He was in it. He was CGI, but he was in it. Hardly counts. I, I like he's not credited as part of the cast. No, nope. he is not. But I liked it because it, I, I'm with Joel on this one because it kind of gave you a new reflection, new new view on John Connor's uh, development. That's what I liked about it. And around 28 minutes in this movie, this is what I'm talking about, the callbacks, the trick with keeping a shotgun attached around his arm that Marcus shows Kyle Reese is used by Kyle Reese being played by Michael Bean in the beginning of the original Terminator in 1984 after he saws the butt off the uh, shotgun that he steals from his police car. Okay. I just thought that was cool. It is cool. Yeah. It is. So uh, last trivia here. 
Yeah, Terry Crews was originally cast as Captain Jericho, but the scenes ended up being cut from the final film. However, you can still see Terry Crews visible in one scene as a dead body left in the aftermath of a battle. Aww. It was kind of like, where's Waldo? <laughs> where's Terry? Yeah. <laughs> nine, nine. Where's Sarge? So, Terminator Genesis, moving fast on this one. John Connor, leader of the human resistance, sends Kyle Reese back to 84 to protect Sarah Connor and safeguard the future. An unexpected turn of events creates a fractured timeline. Directed by Alan Taylor, writing credits Kayla Lagares, Patrick Lucer, James Cameron, both characters. Gail Ann Hurd had other characters. Arnold Schwarzenegger played the Guardian in this one instead of the Terminator. Jason Clark is John Connor. Amelia Clark is Sarah Connor. Jai Courtney is Kyle Reese. J.K. Simmons is O'Brien. Dio Kendi is Danny Dyson. Matt Smith is Alex. Courtney B. Vance is Miles Dyson. Byung Hung Lee is Cop to, to 1000. Trivia. Hey, stop and take a breath. Jesus. Oh. Yeah. And Pat was going to tell us his thoughts on oh. uh, Salvation. I was just going to say, I saw it in the theater with my father. And though I remember liking it, I really don't even remember much about it, which says a lot about the movie itself. Oh, that was, that was pretty much going to be my entire wrap up of it. Like, I, I really don't. Even, yeah, I don't really remember much about it. That's kind of says a lot. <laughs> OK, yeah. when we complain about modern movies taking like 20 minutes to explain the origin of Conan Sword, this entire movie was that. Yeah. Yeah. There was way too much exposition. So back to Genesis. OK. Byung Hun Lee, Cop T1000. If you do not know this guy, you need to go and watch The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Oh, he's an amazing Korean actor. Yeah. And also I'm... Magnificent Seven, he played Billy Rock. Yep. I love him. But honestly, I think much better in Good, The Bad, and The Weird. And he uh, played Storm Shadow. Oh, that's right. So uh, some trivia. Paramount greenlit two sequels for this film before it even opened because it's a Terminator movie. Regardless how well it would do at the box office with critics, the film rights to the Terminator series would revert back to James Cameron in 2019. However, this movie did so badly, both sequels were canceled after it failed and then paved the way for Dark Fate. Uh, J.K. Simmons, who is awesome in everything he does, was slated to have improvised many of his lines, or was stated to have improvised many of his lines. The description of a rocket to the T-1-800 blows the door clean off, you know, for people who can't do them themselves. Even earned a stare of surprise from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Why? Because J.K. Simmons is awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. The cast on this one was really good. It's a shame the script was not. That's the thing. I hate it when you have a bunch of really potentially great actors and actresses in a role in a movie and the script just does, can, does not take advantage of it. So I take it I'm the only one that actually enjoyed this movie? Out of the world? No, out of the four of us. There's probably at least three of you. I wouldn't say I hate this movie, but I definitely didn't like it. I thought the twist was unnecessary. Made And it really didn't make any sense, especially given the, the laws of the world, which is, you know, obviously something that I am I'm a stickler for. For sure. What law is that, Pat? Well, just, you know, I mean, John Connor is the leader of the resistance. That is, I mean, when you draw clear lines between good and evil, I mean, you you don't retroactively make Luke Skywalker a, a Sith Lord. You know, I just you just don't do that. It's a bad twist. It's a twist made just to be shocking. Yeah. I can buy that. Yeah. I, I still had fun with the movie, though. I don't know. I remember seeing this in the theater, and at the end of it, I was just kind of like, that was dumb. I think it's another case where I almost feels that there was a script that didn't have the word Terminator in it, that they kind of forced Terminator into it, and 
threw it into this world because I think standalone, this might have been a good movie. Uh, just slightly aside, funny, slightly funny story. <laughs> I, I, I watched this whole movie thinking, man, that, that chick was pretty. And then at the end of it, I opened my phone to find out who it was. Oh, Amelia Clark. I literally didn't even recognize her the whole movie. <laughs> I do believe that man is from out of space. Right? <laughs> I think that fella is from out of space. But that's how much the hair color changed, you know, who she was for me. I was like, wow. The eyebrows didn't give it away? Yeah, just the whole, I just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't catch it. Ah, interesting. A little slow there. All I right. had the same experience, but with Matt Smith. <laughs> so moving on to. We're here. Dark Fate. Well, I'm going to start off with the fact that I didn't get to to the theater to see it. I think you're full of shit. (laughs) No, I know you are because you sent us a text message from the theater. I know. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So this is directed by Tim Miller, who also directed Deadpool and was a writer on one of my favorite shows on Netflix called Love, Death and Robots. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Lots of wieners and vaginas. Uh, so no, not in this and love, sex and well, and not in all of them. No. Also, <laughs> and that's what you'll focus on if you are also <laughs> eight years old, right? <laughs> so, Peepees. Yeah, he's got a wiener. All right. So writing credits, there's a bunch. Jesus, of yeah, a whole bunch. Seriously, we got story by Charles H. Egley. Egley. I don't know. There's too many names. So many names. Uh, he was on The Shield and was a producer for Moonlighting, which makes kind of weird sense. Josh Friedman, who also had a hand in the story. Uh, also known, Pat, you're going to love it. Uh, Chain Reaction, your favorite Keanu Reeves movie. No such thing. And also was a writer on the Sarah Connor uh, Chronicles. Oh. David S. Goyer. Oh. Writer on Dark City. Yeah. Batman begins, yes. The Dark Knight, yes. Batman versus Superman. But, ready for this one? Been announced. Writer for Hellraiser, another uh, Hellraiser movie, and the 10, uh, the, uh, um, sorry, Sandman TV series. Yeah, he's he's a pretty well-known writer. Yeah, he's also working on a new Masters of the Universe movie. I thought he had something to do with Blade, too, but I, mean, I didn't pull up his resume. Uh, Justin Rhodes. Also had a hand in the story, and outside of this, he's got uh, RoboCop Returns, Unmanned, and Fantastic Voyage. He's kind of new across the board on this one. Come along and ride. Different Fantastic Voyage. There was no slide, slide, slippity slide. Maybe there should have been. Or he wrote, uh, yeah, Blade, <laughs> Blade Two, Blade Trinity, and the TV series. He was a writer on all. Okay. Wow. So he's responsible for that. Yeah. Well, he was. Anyway. Linda Hamilton comes back as Sarah Connor. Arnold Schwarzenegger reprises his role as a T-800, or Carl, as he's known <laughs> to his friend. That's what they call me. <laughs> Carpets match the drapes. Fucking calling you <laughs> Carl. Uh, Grace is played by Mackenzie Davis. Uh, if you don't know her, she has also been in uh, Black Mirror, uh, Blade Runner 2049, and The Martian. Yep. I, I, she's an up-and-comer. I'm a big fan already. Yep. She looks, right. She's like a combination of Glenn Close and Robin Wright. Coming in at 5'10". That's high praise, and I don't know yeah. that I disagree. Yeah. Mm. Natalia Reyes is Donnie Ramos. She has been in such things as a TV show called 2091, where she played a character called Rhoda. Uh, Lady da Vendabola de Rosas, Crucumba Ninja, which 
Cucumber that, Ninja. That's, that's on my you know constant playlist. Cucumber Ninja. Oh, <laughs> Tab oh. 43. <laughs> Watch Cucumber Ninja. Uh, Gabriel Luna as Gabriel the Rev-9 uh, Terminator coming to get them. Diego Bonea as uh, Diego Ramos. Fernan Fernandez as Flaco. Tristan Uroa as Felipe Gandal. One big trivia, or two big trivias in this one. James Cameron considers this film a direct sequel to his own films, The Terminator 84 and Judgment Day 91. He was not involved in Rise of the Machine, Salvation, or Genesis, so Dark Fate disregards the events of these films, as well as the TV series Sarah Connor Chronicles. In 2017, Cameron commented that he's been supportive of these films due his, to his close friendship with Schwarzenegger, but for various reasons they did not work for him, so he decided to produce a true sequel himself. This means that, ready for it, Rise of the Machine, Salvation, Genesis, and the Sarah Connor Chronicles all are in alternate timelines. The Kelvin timeline. I'm good with that. This is a, a time travel franchise. There could be alternate timelines. Well, yeah. that's a new thing right now in, in movies. They're doing that, starting to do that a lot. Because that, that, that opens so many doors for so many things if you want to allow alternate timelines and i kind of feel like the one thing about terminator genesis that you can salvage is that door was already open from genesis mm -hmm. right well and it, it also means that you've got these other movies in between that you can go back to and if you're fans of those movies they're still there they still exist in in whatever timeline you choose to follow but it also means you've got a new avenue to take too at the same time you don't have to be completely bound to making sure everything sticks to canon Mm -hmm. You can you can do a couple different you know twists on well what if this had happened what if that had happened yeah and the second trivia I have on here is Arnold Schwarzenegger was seventy one when he began production on this movie and the original Terminator he was thirty six years old wow so what have you done lately um, he was governor I went and saw this movie today I thought that was a big <laughs> accomplishment <laughs> I got out of bed I I put pants on. I like this concept because like revisionist history and things like that, it's just fun to kind of play around in those worlds. And like you guys said, it gives you the chance to kind of negate some things maybe that were done wrong to try and force like, like the Halloween franchise is a great example of that because it got to the point where they were trying to explain things that they had written into previous installments. And it just got so far off the rails that it's like, well, where are you going to go at this point? So no, no, he's always had x-ray vision. <laughs> so you uh you get uh uh david david gordon green and danny mcbride and you just negate everything from two on and start over and it's 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 nice i like it i'm down and it's not a it's not a reboot or a remake either necessarily yeah i i'm gonna have to qualify what i say i liked the movie a whole lot more than it's sound like i liked it because <laughs> i'm gonna have a lot of complaints but I, I I don't hate it anywhere near as much as it's going to sound like I hated it. Well, I'll start us off then. Um, I enjoyed this movie so much. It, it I kind of knew from the sequel or from the trailer I was going to enjoy it. But I mean, I I think this is probably my second favorite Terminator movie now. What's your first then? Well, Terminator Two. Yeah, I mean that's just such a good movie all around. I mean, even take it out of the whole franchise, this is a good movie on its own. I don't know. I just I I enjoyed just about everything from this movie. Probably the thing I enjoyed least was the acting of Natalia Reyes, but even that wasn't 
egregious. I didn't. It didn't take me out of the movie or anything. I just thought she was the character was kind of wooden, you know, because she was written that way. She hadn't. She was supposed to be a you know butterfly in a cocoon kind of thing. There, but I will. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna, I was gonna say Gabriel Luna, the Rev Nine. Oh my God, I loved that whole design, that concept, that he Terminator. was cool. He was, he was cool really as cool. shit, man. I mean, when he started off. And he walked up to that woman, and he just touched the shirt, and he just created a shirt around himself. I would, I was just immediately like, okay, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> so that was so fucking cool. I was like, it's because it, every single Pat, time that I'm sorry, I was Pat, say, Pat's say, in the theater at that moment, the second that the shirt changed, and he's like, <laughs> no, I, I just, I mean, it was just, I, I did make, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I have uh, one huge point of contention with this. And it's unfortunate because what happened is super important for the movie. It's important that this isn't yet another movie about John Connor. However, to me, it's a nearly unforgivable sin to pull the Alien 3, where you spend an entire movie saying the survival of this character is important, and he's killed off almost off screen right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that bugged me hugely. I am with you on that one. I agree. That was, that was that was a little bit of a cop out. I thought at some point they were gonna like retroactively, you know, stop that from happening and go back and save him. Right, and that was something that did not happen. Right. The problem I had with that was that there would be no way Sarah Connor, after everything she had been through, would be like, "Oh, hey, we got the Terminator. We're just gonna relax on the beach now. Everything's cool." That was, I think, was completely out of character for Sarah Connor in these movies. Absolutely. I I definitely agree with that. But you got to imagine, even as intense as Sarah Connor became, I mean, you can't be 100% vigilant 100% of the time. You have to, at some point, let your guard down. Yeah, but I mean, if you are dealing with an enemy that can drop in literally at any moment in your life. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I mean... I'm not. I you know how I hate it when you try to you know fill in plot holes for the writers when they should have done it themselves. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and do it and and hate myself for it. But you have to imagine like Skynet or Legion, whatever you want to call it, has the technology you know to maybe know her moments when she drops her guard or something, and they go after those weak points. I don't know. Well, but think of it this way: as far as she was concerned, once the Terminator was was gone. There was no reason to think that there was going to be another one coming because in that in that world, then she stopped that from happening. Yeah, because she specifically says they sent two back. So, I mean, maybe in her mind, she thinks that the fight is one and over because she's gone past, you know, August 29th. Yep. Yeah. And they didn't make John's death and his life meaningless. They said, OK, Skynet never rises. Judgment Day happens at a different point. We've got an entirely different AI. I'm totally okay with that. I just, it struck me the wrong way. And there were also pacing problems in the middle of the movie where I was already a little off. And before we got to the ending sequences, I actually was having a hard time staying awake in the theater at certain points. And not saying that I was bored, but I was actually forcing myself to not fall asleep. Huh. I'm with you on this because honestly, after the initial rev nine show up when they start making the trek to get to her uncle and all that that's where i started to tune out i did not tune back in until carl 
Well, and I think where I tuned out was the entire sequence that almost doesn't affect the plot at all, where uh, they get the guy who gives them the EMPs and he let the, uh, gets them away and the EMPs are destroyed. Like it's an entirely closed loop that is nothing but an excuse for an action scene which to me was not particularly engaging and was a little ridiculous. And it is manufactured drama. We're going to give you this, you know, this ray of hope only to take it away from you. And, right. And, and not even not- use it for anything else and never bring it up again and not like fix it or just nothing. It was just an, an- it doesn't yeah. impact the plot at all. And the action scene was a lot of people flying around in planes who should have died. Like everybody who isn't a Terminator should have died in the Humvee in the plane scene. Yeah, and it honestly was 15 minutes of movie time that could have either been not used or used for in, in, a, in a better way. Yeah, well, when I'm... Yeah, I, if, if they had come up plot-wise with a better way to do it, because that whole fight scene in the plane was goddamn awesome. Yeah, sure. It looked great, but I was I was tuning out. There's a big problem when there's explosions in a plane and a Humvee flying around, and I'm pinching myself to not fall asleep. Well, right, they almost right. had like it, when the Humvee fell out of the back of the plane. The first thing that popped in my head was the A Team movie. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Indiana Jones. In no, the Doom. No, I mean no refrigerator. Oh wait, that was Christmas. No, no, Temple of Doom was the they jumped out with the inflatable raft. Yeah, but okay, the raft made sense. I, I'm just thinking it like did? Whole, <laughs> yeah, it's Indiana Jones. Come on, <laughs> what else is going to be in that plane except a raft? Not like they invented Humvees back then. Well, one of the things that, that that frustrated me about that particular sequence, I mean, yes, it was a little bit over the top, well, a lot over the top and a little unnecessary. But the fact that you introduced this character that I was going, I was racking my brain. I'm like, OK, where has this guy been in the other series? Because he felt like they were giving you a callback. And I, as, as soon as uh, I got to a computer after the movie was over, I looked him up and there's there's an article written about it, about this character that is is he's not in any of the other movies he's not in the, in the tv show he's nowhere else but he's got this huge backstory that they're alluding to that you don't get any satisfaction as far as oh you're talking about the the army guy yeah like yeah, yeah. The, the, the knockoff don Cheadle. yeah yeah and that's the thing is like oh hey we're gonna introduce this guy that's only relevant for this next 15 minutes and then you're never gonna see from him again and he's not even relevant for those 15 minutes because his whole MacGuffin to bring him into the plot is destroyed so the entire scene is pointless. And here's the most wanted woman in America who this one guy trusts enough to commit treason. Commit treason yeah. But we don't know why. We don't know what. Why does he trust her? What's mm-hmm. their backstory? Why are they even? I mean, that, that's a sign. That's a sign of sloppy writing, honestly, because they just in all honesty, it's obvious they wanted to have that big plane scene and they just retrofit some shit in there to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, because I agree with jo- with uh, both Joel and Josh in this one. I mean, if you have a character who comes in there, and if if he had just said, "All right, you owe me a favor," fine. This is somebody that she knows in her in her transit. Then she knows in some way. You're the but the you're the only person I commit treason for. There's more backstory you need to know about this dude. Yeah. I mean, or just if he says something, you know, now we're even. Any, you know. Yeah, now we're even. Bang, leave me alone. I'm out. You know, give me something that doesn't make me wonder where the hell this guy came from. And you know what? Maybe with with future plans, that's a, that's a hole they're going to fill. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. I mean, well, like I said, this I like the. I thought Grace was a really interesting character. 
this she's human but she's heavily augmented to the point where she's almost but not quite terminator mm-hmm. uh she was a lot of fun i actually uh liked danny in some ways as much as john connor although we didn't get as much development because she hasn't had five other movies to develop her i will uh, tell I, I will tell you one thing i i had an issue with was when they did the great unveil that you know danny is the leader of the new leader of the resistance yeah i would okay how much sense does it make to have like five people sur- who are surrounding one person, you want to like bring them into your clan or whatever. Let's send the leader of our clan by herself in there. Like, why don't you just surround them and make make them, you know, put your weapons down, and then you can convince them. Like, I mean, how dumb is it? Like, let's just send our irreplaceable leader in there by herself and hope they don't just turn on her and stab her to wait, death. Wait, oh wait, you're talking about the flash forward? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. Okay, and and that was the thing that I kind okay fine, Natalia Reyes, she's the savior of the future. Fine, whatever. She's like four foot nine, and I agree with you, Pat. If she had walked into that thing, they'd been like, "All right, shorty, here, bang, we're taking this kid's food." Yeah, when I, but I'm go like, outside and you see all the other people that were with that with her. Yeah, tactics wise, why don't you send them in? <laughs> yeah, you're the leader. Send a six foot three guy in there. Yeah, you've got a you've literally got a platoon. Just surround them and just stand down, and then you're like, hey, join us or die. Well, I don't know. Maybe that was her leadership style, is each of those squads were groups of three or four that she, like, went in, put them in their place, and made an impassioned speech to recruit them to her cause. And this is just how she builds the army. Yeah, and I I get that, but at some point, you know, the governor stops going door to door. Yeah, no, I... I, I, (laughs) Yeah, I'm not saying that that's not a potential issue. It just it that's why it didn't bother me. Yeah, I mean it's a nitpick for sure. I mean, I, otherwise, yeah, I mean I really did enjoy this movie a lot, and I cannot say enough how much I loved Arnold's role in this. I did not laugh as hard as I have in these movies. With I was the only guy I, in the theater laughing. Oh, and how? Because he with the whole line, I am a good listener, and yeah. I am extremely <laughs> funny. Or when, or when she shoots him, and he's like, "I'm going to have to explain this." Yeah, this will be hard. this will be difficult to explain to Alicia. <laughs> I mean, or or actually, the the biggest laugh that I got out of the whole thing was, "Why do you have all these guns?" I'm looking to the future. Humanity and civilization will con- collapse within the next fifteen years. Also, this is Texas. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that seemed like a perfect line. I I was like, "Yeah, Pat's gonna like that." Yeah. Yep. It was funny. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the de-aging technology when they uh, did uh, the flashback to the scene that I kind of tore apart for plot reasons? Let's talk about the technology. I wanted to, yeah, because that was that was amazing. For me, I yeah, the only thing, John was a little uncanny valley, but uh, Linda Hamilton and Arnold looked fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, I was extremely impressed with the quality of that. Cause, I mean, Arnold looks so good. I At, at one point, I was like, I, I thought they just used a body double and put his head on it. Well, I thought, I was like, is this a cut scene that they re-edited somehow? Yeah. It was uh, you know, from really well done. From T2? Because, you know, they, the de-aging stuff that they've done in Marvel kind of set a standard, at least for Ant-Man and the Wasp. But, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it was impressive, Yeah, I thought. Well, I mean, I think they also knew that if they didn't get it right, there would be a lot of bullshit to deal with online. Yeah, I think the only reason the digital Edward 
along looked a little fakey to me is because like the other actors were able to be mapped onto themselves and they obviously had to get someone who kind of looked like young Edward Furlong mm. to do the same thing too, which is he was the only one that I was like, okay, yeah, he looks a little video gamey. Yeah, he looked he looked a little gollumy at a couple of points. Yeah, but for sure. With him, you didn't actually see him a hundred percent. Yeah, and you don't see him very long. Right. So I don't yeah. think that was the biggest I mean everybody yeah, it didn't, it didn't take me out of the scene. I mean No, no. I mean everybody was looking at, you know, Sarah Connor and the T T eight hundred. That was the big thing. Also with the T eight hundred, I did love the whole plot idea of now that Skynet is gone, he's cut off from his lifeline and yeah. how he had to find a purpose and wound up assisting the I forgot the the character's name wound, wound up assisting her and her and her uh son but Mateo and uh God, what was her name Alicia. Oh, Alicia Alicia yeah. yeah we just I just said it yeah yeah I, and I actually I got a little bit sad when you know the scene when he you know talked about how the day I told them about it had to come when my past catches up to me and I have to say goodbye I was like oh that's sad and that was where he he flipped the line he was like and I won't be back yeah well, Right. Same thing with the sunglasses, where he picks him up and you. He's that like, was so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there were a lot of really good nods as as send offs to the character and to the franchise and such. You know. Oh, okay. Just to call it right before the whole scene that Josh and I hated with the whole EMP thing. So I, this man wanted to put solid curtains in a little girl's room, and I told him, "No, this must be balloons." Or polka dots, what he's going on about putting butterflies. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that scene. And then, unfortunately, I mean, then the, the rest she of She doesn't it, notice you're 400 pounds? <laughs> right. That's our, our relationship is not physical. I am a good listener. <laughs> and a very funny. <laughs> and that's the thing is like with Schwarzenegger, he has got that deadpan down so good he doesn't need he, he's got the you know you're not going to phase him he's not going to show the emotion he's going to toss out these lines that are hilarious that would not be funny coming from anybody else but because it's from the t800 they're a riot and you know good on him i'm that he can still do this i mean i'm so glad that he was because you see many other movies where people go back to replay characters that they've had before and it never works out right i mean not never it doesn't work out right. I also liked uh, Linda Hamilton as older Sarah Connor. I, I thought yes. it worked. Yeah. Uh, th this, those things uh, that worked were good enough to raise this up for me beyond the things that I had very, very serious structural issues with this and flipped it from a like thumbs down at four and a half out of 10 to a thumbs up at like seven out of 10. Like, this is at least as good in my mind as Terminator 3. So, like, I I, I liked it. I, I just, I was not blown away. I love the fact that Linda Hamilton came back, and I just loved watching her work, plain and simple. Yeah, the the, the, the banter between her and Grace, I, I really enjoyed. It was kind of a passing of the torch, you know? You could almost sense the, the a little bit of jealousy, for lack of a better word, uh, from the character of Sarah Connor to, you know, she's like... I was just a vessel for the savior of the world. And this girl gets to be the savior of the world. Mm -hmm. Once you talked about how, you know, you don't just go on without me. Don't, don't come back for me. She had given that same speech was given in T2. I don't remember who she was talking to now, but it was another callback. Um, yep. Yeah. I, I really liked seeing her back in action again. 
And she had her Jeep at the end. Yep. Wasn't the same Jeep, but it was, it was, you know, same kind of Jeep, still Wrangler. And it was so funny just how, you know, all this badass talk and then Danny's like literally like two inches away from the steering wheel because she's so short and really take off. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. And once again, I thought the Rev 9 was that that whole and the way he could just split into two, like the the organic part versus the metal part. And just, oh, man, it was just. Yeah, they're both independent and they had their own strengths. Like when he was together as one, he was durable as the skeleton and as uh, agile and deadly as the organic part. But he could trade a little bit of the advantages to be in two places at once, literally. Mm hmm. And it was just such a like a morale breaker when it looks like they finally have him down when he's split in two, and he just stands up in both instances and just reassembles, and he's like, all right, let's go again. <laughs> right before they throw him into the generator. And I'm just going to call this out. OSHA's going to have some issues with this place. <laughs> <laughs> when you've got a machine like that that's ex- exposed. I mean, you have you have a gigantic rotating filter machine going through with absolutely a, just like a door right there and next to the door a window and then this gigantic pit with spikes at the bottom on it what the hell kind of what, what who designs that place the same, the same people the, the same people that designed the death stars i know right we have giant chasms with no hand guards no handrails <laughs> yeah no handrails around that giant pit the door isn't shut i mean no, it's amazing anybody survived working there because that thing's spinning so fast you get sucked into it anyway <laughs> It's like a giant lathe <laughs> from the designers of Metal Gear. <laughs> all right. But I mean, all in all, I enjoyed this new one. I really I mean, I laughed. I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a I have a, a new favorite in Mackenzie Davis. I was unaware of her. So I like her. Yay. OK. Yeah. So thumbs up, thumbs down or no? Uh, Well, let's just say T1, T2. Thumbs up, thumbs up. I'm talk. I'm guessing. For yes. sure. Yeah, that's definitely. obvious. Then I, I don't have... care. I'm going to give everything a thumbs up, even if I didn't really like it, because it, it, it all contributes to the Terminator series. So, yeah, I'm saying with that collective thumbs, thumbs up all around. Yeah, thumbs up all the way around. It's fun. It's fun. I'm a thumbs up on one through three, a big thumbs down on Genesis and uh, uh, Salvation one. Salvation. Yeah. And a thumbs up on Dark Fate. Yeah, a, a Dark Fate had its flaws. I mean, but at the same time, it, I enjoyed watching it. And that's at the end of, end of the movie. That's the thing. I enjoyed it. It was a fun ride. Yeah. All right. So, Joel, what are we doing next? You know the score with Mr. Rudy Ray Moore. He's ready to fight his Dolomite. Eddie Murphy has regained his fame in its biopic, Dolomite, Dolomite is my name. Damn it, I fucked it up. You almost got through it. I almost oh, got it. it. You spend this whole time writing that? I wrote that uh, earlier on, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have anything to say about your favorite Terminator movies or you want to tell us about your thoughts about Dolomite, like give us a call. Just blows right over that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> go go into the ending. No snaps. <laughs> give us a call at 708 now wrap. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And uh if you're looking for more of us, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Talkshoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and all other podcasting directories. Leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. And like I said, give uh like I said, give Josh a call. Yeah, do that. Yeah. Why do you keep doing that? <laughs> you know it's coming. This event. Follow me on follow me on Twitter. I will give you Josh's <laughs> phone number. You can leave. Me <laughs> you can be his text buddy. Aww. Yeah.
We're he gonna loves get those you prisoners. all. I'm changing my number. He wants to hold <laughs> your hands and things. He signs all his texts for John. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And Patrick, ready for that next week? Dolomite. We'll be we'll back. Be back. <laughs> oh, oh, that too. He went with Dolomite. <laughs> it's a shame we're not doing something you like. Oh, right. All right. You know, let's let's start from the top. We got to do this all, all right. over. All right. So, thank you for listening. And next week, what the hell, Dolomite? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I can't do it. I gotta let it go. (laughs) And he's the talent. Mike censored himself. Oh, that's twice. twice. We've seen it twice in action, once live and once on the recording. That's right. Mike is becoming (laughs) self-aware. We're going to have to take him down. (laughs) (laughs) The T stands for Teskey.